This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to announce that we have Janet Lansbury joining the show. Janet Lansbury is a respected, best-selling author. One of her books I absolutely adore, No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame. And she runs her own podcast, Unruffled, her Janet Lansbury Facebook and Instagram pages, and she is wildly popular in the parenting space. Janet is joining us today to talk about what respectful parenting is, how we can get our partners involved, and how to respect our partner in their own approach while also trying to develop together in respectful parenting. Really interesting conversation navigating these tricky waters at times. And Janet is just the right person to have this conversation with. Before jumping into the show, I actually want to read you a review that came in via direct message on Instagram. I love when you guys take the time to send me your comments, messages, leave iTunes reviews. These are all amazing ways for me to get your feedback and know what's really landing and hitting home with you guys. So here's the review. It says, hi, not sure how many messages you've got to filter through, but I felt moved to tell you how much your podcast impacted me in one short day. I stumbled upon your podcast yesterday and it was when I needed it most. I've already listened to four episodes and they have been extremely helpful. Just knowing the emotional roller coaster of momming is real and how you acknowledge all of the hardships moms face. It's endearing and uplifting and relatable. So many times I wanted to scream, yes, she gets me. Your mommy rage and perfectionism episodes were especially helpful for me to reflect on myself, my triggers, and my reactions. In one day, I feel a positivity and lightness knowing that I can get a hold of these things and make changes. Just wanted to thank you for what you're doing. Oh my goodness, all of the goosebumps reading that to you guys right now. I feel so honored to be on this journey with you, to share this space with you, that you tune in to hear from me and from my guests. Let's hear the episode today with Janet Lansbury. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Janet, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I know that you have your own podcast. You've got a big platform of your own. You dedicate a lot of your time and energy into parenting and creating resources for people. So the fact that you took the time today to be with us is really meaningful. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I'm a big fan of your work with parents. I love your support and wisdom that you offer. And I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I feel like we've kind of come across each other a little bit back and forth online and 
connected a little bit in that way. And I've read a lot of your material and know a little bit about you, but I'm so curious how you made the transition into the parenting world. Because if I'm correct, you started off in more of like a a model, like it was a big change of pace for you when you became a mom. Is that right? Yes. So I got into this because I became a mom and I had thought it was all going to be so easy and instinctive and that I would know everything to do. And I'd been looking forward to this moment my whole life. This was going to be my happily ever after. And then I was quite shocked and disappointed in myself that I felt completely overwhelmed and realized that I'm a person that needs a lot of clarity and a plan, especially if I'm in a situation that is all new and scary like that, uh, that felt so important. So I struggled and I also had other things like medical things that I had a hormonal thing going on. So I was quite depressed and scared and panic attacks and I had a wonderful baby. It wasn't anything to do with her, but my adjustment to what do I do when she's crying and I feel like I've met her needs. I know I've met her needs and she's not wanting these things and she's just crying. And I realized later after I happened on to hearing about Magda Gerber, um, who Mm -hmm. became my mentor and dear friend, I heard about her work and then I took my daughter to a class. She was only three and a half months at that time. It totally changed everything for me. But before that, I'd been basically after taking care of her needs, you know, I knew I needed to get her to bed and to feed her, obviously, change her diaper. And then I was kind of keeping her entertained, which completely drained me, any energy that I had left, (laughs) which was none. And I realized later that she had these crying jags. A big part of them was that she was so overstimulated, me thinking that I'm supposed to keep her occupied and stimulated and teach, teach and show. And so (laughs) then I discovered that the opposite is actually true. And I found this in the first class that I went to for this approach It's called the Rye approach. And they said, okay, just lay her down on, lie her down on her back on this blanket and observe. And there were other babies there. Actually, the other babies were a bit older and they were starting to move around a little and stuff. So there I was, the class was two hours and my baby was just perfectly content on her back, awake for Mm. two hours, (laughs) which she didn't always happen, you know, very often after that or ever. Right. Not that long, but it was the first time I saw that she was her own person, that Mm. she had her own thoughts that she was, who knows what, trying to figure out where am I and what is this and getting settled in. And that she didn't, not only did she not need what I was doing, what I thought I was supposed to be doing, but I don't know, this just changed everything. I realized that I saw my daughter. I saw saw the same person that I see now at 28 years old. That's very, she's very like composed and kind of, I don't know, dignified in a weird way but I, it was all there. Mm-hmm. And so the relief, of course, and the excitement that gave me of, wow, I get to learn about this person instead of try to teach her everything that I think she, maybe she's supposed to learn. Totally turned it around for me and made, everything wasn't suddenly completely easy, of course, but 
it was clear, my role became more clear. And then I just wanted to learn everything about this approach and how to make this happen. And it sounds like a really profound moment of like, just realizing the power of the connection you have with her and the power of like a tumen. And I think that that's such an important, like, I love the, even just the name of your podcast unruffled because a lot of what I try and teach is sort of uh, moms to help regulate so that they can attune to themselves and their child. Right. And the whole, the whole idea of connection being your greatest tool because we are so inundated and bombarded and overwhelmed with information in this age of parenting that it can become very easy to lose your way, to get overwhelmed, to feel that you have to do all of the things and have all of the things and be all of the things, you know? And the moment you describe, I just like kind of picture it for a moment, this sort of just like stillness of seeing that connection and sort of this realization of that being our greatest tool we can invest our time in, right? Yes. It's much simpler than I think we all make it out to be. And even at that time, it wasn't the inundation that's happening now with all the online uh, resources, which, you know, in a lot of ways, it's wonderful, right? But the downside, as you said, is is getting uh, confused and feeling like, yeah, every moment you have, you have to like find the script for and figure out. So that part is, is not, not helpful. I think the support is, but even at that time when it was just books 28 years ago, uh, it was confusing because there were books that I read that were stimulation books that because at that time we wanted, there was this whole trend called the super baby where you wanted to make your baby into the most like brilliant, perfect child. Mm-hmm. And so there was that uh, school of thought that I had read, yeah, read books about. And then there was this other school of thought, which was, oh, no, you just, you know what to do and you just do it and you shouldn't need any help, basically. Like you should just have all the answers out of instinct and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. those, those were competing even then. Now we've got 12 different ways that we can go. At well, least. And that's just it is like, A lot of information is one thing that is like cohesive and informative, but like conflicting and contradictory information coming at us, like, you know, from every angle, I think is where the overwhelm really starts to set in. And so I really, I really love this. And we can talk a little bit about sort of how we define respectful parenting and what that looks like. But I really gravitate towards this approach. I also come from a very behavioral background in my training as a therapist. So I also tend to be quite practical, like in a behavioral sense. I don't know. I'm a weird combination of trainings. But how would we go about defining a respectful approach to parenting for those who may not be familiar? Well, it begins with that experience that I had of seeing that your baby is actually a whole person with their own destiny, with their own likes and dislikes and rhythm and timetable for when they're going to develop certain skills. And this is actually all there Mm. in the beginning. So what that means is that our job as a parent is it stops being about trying to mold a person. Mm -hmm. and It's actually about building a relationship with a person from the very beginning. That's in a nutshell what it is. And the most important thing that we're going to have going forward, and really the reason, probably if we think about it, most of us wanted to have children is to have 
a wonderful relationship with this special person in our life for life. Yeah. Where we don't want to be, I don't think, well, it's important to me not to be someday if I'm a grandmother, oh gosh, we got to go to grandma's for the holidays or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my relationship with my children has only gotten even better, which doesn't seem possible because it was always good, but mm-hmm. it has gotten better as they've gotten older and now we're more friends and just just get such a kick out of each other and have our rough moments too but we're honest we're just all these things that you know my children actually taught me how to have good relationships because they were the inspiration for me Mm -hmm. to figure out how to do a relationship really really well I mean you're never going to have better inspiration right than your own children to develop yourself to be a more honest, authentic, compassionate, patient, affirming to others person. Mm-hmm. So, and also be the leader that they really need when they're little, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. It's, process. <laughs> it's one of the most unexpected pieces of motherhood, I think, was the the journey inward that we had to take. Do you know, like I was not expecting that. I was not expecting to find healing in motherhood. I was expecting to have these little children that I take on fun outings and all these fun memories that you see, you know, broadcast across social media, but I was not expecting it to challenge uh, how I picture relationships, how I communicate things, how I frame certain things. Like it just goes to such a deep level uh, within ourselves. It takes us to that was unexpected, but I think one of my favorite parts is this journey that it's taken me on as well, right? Yes. Then same, I had the same feeling without the social media back then, but I had the same uh, surprise as to that, oh, the spotlight's actually on me quite a bit here. I hadn't really seen it that way. For better and worse, it's it's on me, but yeah, you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. It's very healing because of what it brings up in us. And because we decide, we become aware that, yeah, we are maybe we don't want to do exactly what our parents did or whatever. And then it it really helps us to see that we can change the story mm-hmm. with our children and the power of that right. is healing in itself. So even if we didn't go, I mean, a lot of people do need and should have like the support of therapy and all of that. But even without that, you'll see that you can, you can give what wasn't given to you and by mm-hmm. doing so, heal yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps just like thinking about it, that it is our ultimate redo in a way to, to heal ourselves, to give our children what we felt like we lacked emotionally and within, you know, like for their needs and the attunement that they needed and the connection that they needed that we maybe missed out on when we were younger, or it's just the ultimate sort of healing redo to to break that cycle and do things differently and really powerful and profound and not at all what I thought I was signing up for, but I'm very happy that, you know, with the outcome of of that journey and it's going to continue, I'm sure, but. It does. I mean, I could tell you with adults, it it just keeps continuing. Um, Right. I mean, just learning more and more. I mean, only this last summer did I kind of, come into a realization about something that happened to me as a toddler that's like affected my whole life. And so it, it's always in, it's always in motion, you know, yeah. so parents like get stuck in like, I'm supposed to be this perfect 
picture postcard or whatever Janet said in this article or whatever somebody else said, or I'm supposed to be, it's, no, it's, you're never supposed to be stopped at a certain place. Right. You're supposed to be progressing, mm-hmm. which is often three steps back, one step forward or whatever too. Totally. Totally. So, so just to be kind to yourself in this journey. And mm-hmm. when I think about respectful parenting, and the philosophy and sort of mind shift that happens when you start to see parenting through that lens. One of the biggest conversations that comes up um, when I'm working with people is around discipline and the different lens through which we view discipline from a respectful parenting perspective. And so I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that and clear that up. And then also we'll get into what, like when we have a difference of opinion around this approach to discipline or this approach to parenting from our partner, because these are some really sort of stuck places that parents find themselves in when they want to, let's say, take this respectful parenting approach to discipline, which we'll define clearly in a moment. But then when their partner might not be on the same page, then we find ourselves in these really sticky moments as parents. So in terms of how we approach discipline from a respectful parenting perspective, Uh, Can we outline that a little bit for listeners? Sure. So going with the model of this is another person and we're building a relationship, you want that to be your superseding everything because it is the most important thing. And everything that we do with a child actually furthers that relationship in a direction, you know? So unfortunately, like it's not just when we want to be it to be a teachable moment. It's always a teachable moment with children because they're such awesome learners. Right. That's what they're how they're designed to be to develop so much in these early years. But children can't be, you know, they just came here and they can't be the ones making a lot of the decisions and controlling the adults. They need that freedom to be children. So mm-hmm. respecting them, I think sometimes even gets misconstrued as, well, you respect them. So if they say no, or if they feel this way, right. about something that you've decided, yeah. then you've got to uh, make it okay for them. You've got to explain yourself and make it right and uh, because you're respecting them. But no, respecting them actually means that you respect their stage of life and their development and the fact that they deserve a childhood where they don't have to be calling shots and doing the things that we need to be doing. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's a leadership role Mm -hmm. um, for sure that we are asked to step into here so that our child doesn't have to be the one to do it. And that even just saying it that way, like really helped me because I'm not a bossy person. I'm the opposite. I'm, you know, let other people be in charge and I'll just do my thing. And it felt really mean to me a lot of the time to step into this role as the leader. It was a mm-hmm. big process for me. It was probably the biggest parenting process that I that I had, you know, personally. And I had to realize how unkind it was for me not to figure that mm-hmm. out. Then I'm leaving my child like stuck doing all these things that are taking their energy and joy away from the learning that they're geared to be doing and the exploration of self and the childlike things that they need to be able to do. So anyway, this is not a short answer. Oh, I love it. It's great. But it's so it's realizing your child is a whole person that deserves respect. And that means saying even just 
little things like saying it politely. The posture in which you say it, right? Like your body yeah. posture and well, things do like that. This. Instead of like, oh, would you mind helping me out here? You know, thank you. And so even those little things all come into it. So it's the person that's deserving of respect, but cannot be asked to have more power in the house than we do in terms of boundaries and rules and and things that we create. So yeah, it's it's kind of about really defining our role in this relationship as one of teacher and then also realizing, and there's so much science behind this now, people like Mona Dillahook um, are sharing and Tina Payne Bryson has been sharing for a while, Dan Siegel, about what is really going on when children are quote, misbehaving. Right. And that if we could kind of cut it all down to what I've been saying for a long time, which is just, it's a sign of discomfort on some level. Mm -hmm. It could be a very minor level of, I just don't get a clear answer about this from my parent. So I've got to keep kind of trying to see, they don't seem sure about this limit. Mm -hmm. comfortable themselves. So there's that little minor discomfort that I feel that I just want to clarify. That's what we call kind of testing, I guess. And then there's all the way down to, I'm so scared that a new baby coming in. I don't know what this is going to mean to my relationship. My parents are doing this, uh, or my parents have been yelling at me a lot and I'm, I'm afraid (laughs) and I, they're unpredictable and I don't know. So that is creating all this behavior because I'm just so uncomfortable. So it's, but it's always some level of discomfort. So if we see it that way, once we start to really practice that perspective, then we know, we realize that what children need is help. They don't Mm -hmm. stern punishment, rejection, teach you a lesson. The lesson they, we want them to learn is that when you can't do it, I'm here to guide you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to stop you. I'm here to, I'm here. I'm your, I'm your leader. I'm your coach, whatever it is, I'm going to help you. So once we turn that into our goal, because of the way we're seeing the behavior, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Tuning into the real need behind the behavior, seeing that behavior as communication in itself, right? I think that before I really learned about the research and this approach to parenting, uh, we can get really caught on just seeing the behavior and treating the behavior, right? This behavior is socially and whatever unacceptable. Therefore, we want to extinguish the behavior from like a behavioral perspective by putting them in a timeout or having a punishment or whatever that looks like. And in a lot of cases, when we take that approach to parenting, one, I think that from what we've learned through the research and what and what you're talking about in terms of connection is that we fracture the connection with our child, uh, one, and like over time, and two, that we've actually missed the need entirely, right? Like we've we've missed the real understood what's happened, why the why, exactly, yeah, exactly. And so it's been a really big mind shift for me in perceiving like those who listen and tune in. I have a pretty spirited middle child, you know, and I feel like that's quite stereotypical in terms of how he falls in, in the birth order, but it's true. And, and he's got some really big feelings and some sensory things and really connection will cause him to like disarm himself and kind of fall into me every time 
and communicate what he's going through versus a stern voice or like frustration or dysregulation on my part will cause a full-on war with him. Like he has no problem buckling down and really holding his ground and things. And and it's been a really big change of perspective for me that I've learned, I guess, throughout my professional years. And it's been extremely helpful. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, It's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the things that I hear 
from my listeners and from my membership community is that they see the value in like, like there's no, they don't need to be convinced they're on board with respectful parenting, right? Like they see the value. They see that it works. They've read your books and Dr. Tina's books and, you know, Dr. Dan's books, like whole brain child and all those other books. And, and they really see the value. And then they find that they're the only ones who've done the parenting research. So they struggle to communicate with their partner or get their partner on board with them. And I'm curious if this is something that you have hear of much or have encountered much, because it's certainly something that I hear from moms quite often. Yes, I do. <laughs> Short yeah. answer. I hear from both parents this. One yes. thing about the podcast is it's appealed to a lot of dads. It must mm-hmm. be a format that dads is user-friendly for dads. So I would start this off by what we were talking about before, about the work in progress that we all are. So it can feel like, well, I've done all this work and I'm, I'm there and this other person isn't, they're doing it all wrong. And I know that, and that actually comes from the parent, like being so excited about and into and such a believer of a respectful approach. So it's, it's not, it comes from a positive place, but we can feel like, almost like this is the only way and this is the best way. And everybody's got to be doing this. I know I felt like that at first. Mm -hmm. And then this other person's not doing it right. But actually what's going on is that both of you are in a process. Um, And just as with our children, what you were talking about, about connecting and how that eases the, well, in my mind, it's like eases the discomfort um, instead of creating more discomfort by arguing with your partner or whatever. So it's just the same in any relationship that we want to connect with where our partner is. And we can do that by understanding that we're all in a process. Oftentimes I've found when I do consultations with couples that the partner is reacting to the fact that they're they're sort of complimenting the other parent. So what's common is, and this isn't for everybody, but a common thing that happens is that maybe it's the mom who has been reading up and practicing this and getting going with it, but maybe she's coming from a situation where this was quite different from the way she was raised. Maybe she was raised very uh, authoritarian mm-hmm. and now she's trying to do respect and she's very likely not quite there yet because it just takes a, a while to, I mean, with children, it will help everything. It will help our relationship, but to really get this down takes a lot of practice. So the one thing that commonly happens is that the parent kind of, that parent kind of freezes. Like she knows that she doesn't want to yell at her child or be too strict. And she's kind of afraid of that, maybe that that's in her. And therefore she kind of doesn't know what to do in the moment. And maybe she's being a little bit too permissive there, like, you know, just letting the child go on and on, trying to please the child, you know, so that's, it's a common part of the process that we take the pendulum to the other side before we find that sweet spot of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of respectful leadership. So then the the dad, let's say, is seeing that, that this kid is kind of out of control and it's scary for the dad. So the dad is maybe over, you know, doing it the other way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so that has, happens a lot, just the, even that exact thing. But regardless, your partner has a perspective, your partner has a point of view, and they want to be a great parent too. It's not just, you know, we're not the only one. 
So if we're going at it, like I'm doing it all right, I'm perfect now, and you're doing it all wrong, that's not going to work. It's going to cause distance between you and discord. But if we see, ah, I wonder if like, if we can actually talk to our partner, not in that moment, but after, yeah, did it feel, how did that feel to you? You know, what were you seeing there that made you, you know, feel like you got to get control of it right there or whatever to actually have a conversation. And also to uh, somebody called this rying partner, but actually, you know, acknowledge even in the moment, uh, it's really hard to hear him cry like this, right? It's really hard for you. You just want to, you want to make him stop, right? I get that. You know, that's, yeah, it's hard to hear. So you can even in the moment acknowledge that perspective. And that's true for not just your partner, but, you know, a lot of other people maybe in your life that you can connect with them that way, mm-hmm. by, which is true. Like nobody wants to hear their child cry. No, everybody gets, or it's really scary when he's like this, you know, when he's having a tantrum or she's having a tantrum. It's really, really scary. And we just want to make it stop, right? Or mad at them. So connecting with your partner's point of view, um, that's going to be most helpful. And then I find that it's also helpful to, instead of saying this is the right way, Mm -hmm. I find it really helpful to share your experience. So, you know, today we let, I I didn't try to teach him uh, like, I didn't try to make him like do the baseball and, and with me. And he actually made up this whole game <laughs> um, or, you know, whatever it is, like sharing your own journey. Yeah. Of, I let go of like feeling like, oh, he really needs to learn these skills. And I actually saw how creative he is, you know? So, I mean, that's like kind of a more of a general example, but there's a lot of specifics in our journey that we can share. And that's a very helpful way to mm-hmm. teach someone else. Um, I have a really great example of this actually that happened between my husband and I um, and my son. I think it's like last week or so where my son, when he has big emotions, has a really hard time. Uh, like he has like big displays of emotion. It can sometimes look like a big tantrum on the floor and things like that. And in one of those times, I was really focused on regulating myself, sitting on the floor and was like, you know, when you're ready, you can come sit with mommy. If you'd like a hug, I'm here. And, you know, and uh, one of the things that I realized for myself with him that worked was saying, you know, when mommy has really big feelings like this, I really like to have a hug or sometimes I'm hungry and I need a snack. You know, I was just sort of like addressing that I have those big feelings too. And these are some of the things that help me. And if you're ready to try those, we could give them a try kind of thing. And there was no pressure. It was not a directive because he kind of can be oppositional. And and I was just there to kind of support and be there. Open-ended invitation, right? And it worked. And I was surprised. Like it snapped him out of it. And usually he gets really sticky brain. He's really in it for a long time. So then I actually tried it again at another dinner time. And he was like having a really hard time. I was like, you know, mommy has big, big grumpy feelings when she's hungry. Sometimes maybe eating your dinner might help. I don't know. Why don't you try? And he did and he ate and he was happier. And so I shared that feedback with my husband because it was like, whoa, this was a major success. Like I kind of, I felt like, I feel like it's a key, you know, like I feel like I felt like I made a discovery and I shared it with him. He's like, oh, good to know. So that he can also say, you know, like sometimes daddy gets frustrated and like use it in similar situations when he can tune into whatever that feeling is and share that he has big feelings sometimes too. And it was a major success for us. And one that we were able to share with each other 
And it didn't, it wasn't me giving it to him in the, in a moment, like in a, I think what happens in, and what are you, the, what you're addressing is like, it can come across in criticisms, right? Where we want to sort of like coach our partner through interactions kind of. And I think that that criticism can be part of what sparks conflict or, or tension as we're all kind of fumbling our way through figuring out how to tune into our individual children differently, right? So I like leading with that, leading with the successes, playing curious with our partner. You had talked about the acronym. I believe you said it was RIE a couple of times. Could you fill us in on that for those who aren't familiar? Sure. It is. uh, So Magda Gerber, who founded this approach and was my mentor, she Mm -hmm. started a nonprofit organization, I think in 1970, something. She had another one before that, another program, but this was her program and she started this nonprofit educational organization called Resources for Infant Educarers. It's kind of doesn't really roll off the tongue that well, but um, (laughs) (laughs) that was the name of her foundation. So her organization. So then somehow that also, she would also kind of use that as the RIE approach. So R-I-E are the letters and we pronounce it RIE as in rye bread. Yeah, that became like the RIE approach. So people use it not just for the organization, but as to describe the approach as well. Like the philosophy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Philosophy. And actually, when I first started writing online, I didn't think I was using it very much. And But like all these people got it, I guess. And then people still write to me like, thanks to Rye, I just, you know, did this. Anyway. So. It was really like ahead of its time in the sense of like, now we see this whole body of research that backs this whole approach, right? So. Exactly. It's so neat to see that that's something like when I think about uh, like original voices in the field and and around this approach, like you're one of the first people that come to mind because you've just had a voice in this area for some time. And the reason that that Magda knew so much more than the scientists knew at that time was because and before her was a pediatrician, Dr. Emmy Pickler in Hungary. And then also I've you know, carried on this work on anybody that's become an associate that does classes, you carry on this work of observing. So just this tool that they had of observing children beginning of infancy, behaving naturally in environments, they learned everything. They could see, you start to see, you you can see what's going on with children. So I still think it's the best form of research uh, for young children especially for children that aren't verbally expressive yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, You understand them, you observe them as sensitively and objectively as you can, just like I did with my baby in that first class. And you start to see the way they think. You understand their brains. (laughs) Yeah. And I like taking this approach with our partner when we're talking about where this like communication or sort of parenting starts to break down. When I I'm like, let's say more frustrated and with my partner where, you know, we all have these days where we are human and, and are kind of stretched to capacity. And I'm more like, you know, what are you doing or why are you using that tone? Uh, I'm going to get a different response than and like an observing and connecting to him. So, and what I've really practiced doing, because I'm the one that lives in this field and has these conversations about you know, parenting and motherhood and mental health and like all the things. And he's in finance, like (laughs) he's not, 
he's like not immersed in it the way that I am. So a lot of our conversations come from me sharing new things that I've learned. And he respects that and respects my role in that. But I've had to make a very conscious effort to not uh, sort of like gatekeeper be critical or, you know, these types of things. And so I will actually, instead of when I find that I want to give feedback or criticism, I will lean into a check-in with him, uh, like, you know, or, or like a noting, like it's sounding like you're a little frustrated. Is there anything that you need right now? Do you need to tag out? Do you want me to, you know, like, is there any, any support I can offer you right now, essentially? Right. And that goes a long way to opening up conversations like about how he can better regulate, or maybe he needs a break to get a snack so that he can feel, you know, refreshed to take back over the kids or whatever. That's been a really helpful approach that I've tried. And I'm sure that there are other practical ones. Yeah, just connecting with somebody's experience instead of coming at them, you know, yeah. So yeah, connecting uh, with somebody's experience, uh, modeling, of course, whenever we can model it. Um, So these Mm -hmm. are all ways to teach that don't, that aren't intimidating for the other person, that don't feel critical of the other person. So that's why they work, you know, and we... I'm sure you do too. We use these with, we do these with parents. So we know that it works. And so you're modeling, you're sharing your experience, your your own success experiences or your journey. You know, this was really hard for me today, but then I did this and it really helped or whatever. Then you're, you know, connecting, like you said, all of those are ways to teach without criticizing and that all foster connection. They all foster connection. Yeah. Um, And I think, can we highlight that here for a second is that I think that when we think about teaching our partner or like them taking in information, it might in our mind look like them reading the same book that we read, or it might look like them us having the conversation and relaying the information verbally that we have read or heard or ingested. But I think that what you're saying is so like mind opening for us to think about if we're not familiar with the concept of modeling behavior as a form of teaching that we actually can kind of like teach our partners through osmosis almost sometimes like they will see how we model and handle certain situations and what works and what doesn't work. And so sometimes when I find that that's the most effective approach, even with my partner, where like he'll try his own approach and when it's not effective or, you know, he's met with a lot of opposition from the boys or something like that, he'll check in with me or it'll open up the door for a conversation to maybe ask and and hash it out. Or other times he'll see what's worked for me or I'll share it. All of that to say that teaching doesn't have to be a conversation or our partner taking in the information in the same way, right? Right. And I would also add that really for children, probably that other, that partner is probably offering something that we're not offering that's really positive and that children don't need a bunch of people in their lives who are encouraging them to have their emotions and do all those things. You know, just one person is enough. So taking the pressure off that we have to try to, that it's our job to try to change this other person into the way that we do it. It's better that they have their, uh, you know, within reason, if they're not lashing out and too much or anything like that, it's better for them to have that different parent that's providing Mm -hmm. different things, different positives 
to our child's development. Yeah. And we learn on the job and we don't have to do it perfectly. So having them find their own way to this respectful approach, it doesn't have to look exactly like ours or be like a mirror of what ours looks like. My husband's always going to parent the boys differently, but together we can work as a team. And I think, yeah, I think that it has so much to do with respecting our partner and trying to attune to their needs as well and not coming from a critical place, but more curious, like what is it that you might need in this situation and, and approaching them in the same way that we're trying to approach our children, I guess, essentially, except yeah. as adults, we have another a relationship, right? This is that relationship model. So yeah, that's why sometimes I'll repost things from the Gottman Institute and things that are about couples, but it's, it's all their relationship approaches, their positive relationship building approaches. So they all apply to our relationships with children as well. Mm-hmm. How about in a situation where let's say one of the parents is much more, um, I believe it's authoritative. I always confuse these two and really defaults for like a strong punishment and is really sort of stuck in their perspective of that. I think that sometimes I can see these extreme dynamics in couples where respectful parenting as being overly permissive and that punishments are something that need to happen in order to raise, you know, law abiding citizens. I don't know what the, what the mindset is there, but uh, is there any specific advice for those couples? Do you find? Well, I would again, start by really wanting to know more about why my partner feels that way, you know, and in a non judgmental as possible way to say, what are you afraid of? And what do you think, you know, how are you seeing this behavior? You know, are you seeing this that my child took a toy away from the baby, so they're going to be a thief, you know, or whatever? What's the story you're telling yourself about that situation? What meaning are you giving it? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's normal for every parent to, we tend to project way yes. into the future. And it just, that lens is going to get in our, get in our way. So yeah, I would want to explore what they're seeing, what they're afraid of. There may be a time when you could say, I would want to work on my own approach that's different so that it's successful. So that again, like I was saying in the beginning, my partner's not trying to counteract my lack of any leadership, you know, which can can happen. It's like, I'm not, I'm just letting my child, you know, run around the store screaming and knocking things down because I'm afraid to be too strict. And so my husband's, <laughs> that's scary for my husband. He's going to come in and start yelling and being upset because he's he's gotten rattled by that. So it's really understanding where they're coming from. There may be a point to show articles and research or podcasts or whatever, if your partner's open. But mm-hmm. again, we don't. what we don't want to do is slam the door with a critical... I'm doing it right and you're all wrong approach. Right. So we want to fine tune ourselves will help because what oftentimes, whether it's grandparents or any other people or including our partner, what sometimes what they're seeing is that we we're not being a leader. We don't have a handle on it. And when they see that, when, because one of the main things I want to give parents always is confidence in your approach, because when you have confidence in your approach, when you feel like you're really getting it, then people can think whatever they want and it doesn't phase you. But right. until you're there, you're just going to get, you're going to have all be filled with doubt every time 
people are <laughs> looking at you or, or think maybe thinking other things. But when people see that you had a different way, maybe that was more um, acknowledging and just like, you're really, you know, this is really rough for you. You're having a hard time, but my, my hands are there on my child. I'm not going to let them go over and do what they were going to do. I've got calm control of this. Mm-hmm. When do that it's quite profound for them. And they don't have those same scary, scared feelings in themselves of that this child is out of control because they're not, they mm-hmm. see it a different way. So, so that's why working on our own process so that we can model is always going to be the best teacher of all. Mm-hmm. And I really see this dynamic that you're talking about. Cause I think that my husband and I can play exactly into this. If he thinks that I may be being under like, you know, not, not reacting as seriously as I need to, to a, like, let's say hands-on situation or something like that tends to be when he comes in more guns a blazing because it's not being handled. Right. Like it's so us getting on the same page. And I think that this is also a really sort of profound takeaway for people to think about today is in the same way that we shift our mind in terms of behavior of our children being, you know, about a need of theirs, that we need to shift our mindset around our partners instead of like an us versus them and I'm right and they're wrong and sort of like this kind of mentality to shift it to a, like, we have a same common goal here. Like you said off the, off the top is that we both equally want, you know, well-rounded children that we're connected with and that are thriving. We actually have the same goal. And so how we go about it is going to look different. And maybe we we learn to do it more similarly or we find that way together over time. But even though there are differences, the goal remains the same for both of us, right? Yes. So that will keep the other person in the loop with us if we see it that way. Mm-hmm. Connection and if we really want to understand them, just like with our children, understand why they react the way they do. Yeah, this has been a really interesting conversation. And I feel like there are so many ways we can take this conversation and having you here, I just feel like I want to pick your brain and go, you know, all the different ways, but they're really valuable for people to think about in terms of, and I love like visual representations and kind of like analogies. And when we get gridlocked in patterns where we're kind of like sitting across the table from our partner and it kind of feels like we're on opposite stances and we're like gridlocking and headbutting can often be where it leads to these conflicts, can be when it leads to this, who is more right in a situation and how we dealt with the situation. But when we can actually like bring the chair around, sit on the same side of the table and like look at the problem and problem solve it together and recognize the goal is a common goal and how are we going to work together in our own unique ways to meet that goal, then we become much more effective as a team and as a partnership. And I think that you really highlighted that here for us today. So thank you for taking the time to join us and uh, share with us in this conversation today. My pleasure. I enjoyed it too. And yeah, I could geek out on this all day long. <laughs> I know, we do. <laughs> I could probably <laughs> talk about these topics. <laughs> so where do you hang out online? Where can people find you? Where can they buy your books? All the things, where can they connect with you? Great. Well, I'm in way too many different places. <laughs> part of my problem, and I've got that kind of head anyway, so it's quite difficult for me to harness and focus myself. But I have a website that has 
over 400 articles I've been writing there since 2009. Wow. And pretty much covered everything that I know anything about, that I think I know anything about to help somebody. And so it's janetlansbury.com. And you can also actually Google my name. I mean, I have subject topic categories on there on the website that you can go under, but you can also, this is sometimes what I do when I'm looking for my own articles is you could just Google (laughs) hitting Janet Lansbury and you will find everything I have on hitting or my partner, Janet Lansbury, and you will, Google is pretty good that way. They'll lead you, lead you to it. My books are only available on at Amazon, or you can order them through your library. No Bad Kids is has been by far the most popular, and I'm sure it's because that's what we're talking about today, discipline. It's a book about toddler discipline without shame, and so it describes my approach to that. And then I have another book, Elevating Child Care, that's more kind of a, a rounded book about aspects of this whole approach, the play aspect, emotional development, things like that. So uh, both of these books are collections of my articles. So if you really dug around, you could probably find all this content on my website as well. I like to put that out there. It's very clear in my book explanations because um, I don't want to surprise people. Actually, originally I put them out to just for the people that were already reading my site and just wanted something to share with other people. That's sort of why I put it out. So I wasn't really expecting they were going to be real books, but they've become real books. So that's exciting. exciting. So exciting. Yeah. And then um, you, I follow you on Instagram and you share like tidbits there, Instagram, and, and I'm sure yeah. your Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. And I have a podcast now that has that's got over 200 episodes. I've um, been doing that for five years where I answer questions and I don't know, I'm sort of branching out into different things, but they're short podcasts, which I think is another reason people like them and spouses like them. And right. um, they're, they're not a long listen for people that just want something shorter. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's available on all platforms. Yeah. And I saw you have like lots of guests on too. Like you had Dr. Anna Louise on, um, who yeah. I'm also I'm trying to get on in the next couple of months. So I'm sure that there's lots of different content there in terms of the challenges in parenting and all the different aspects that come with that. So yeah. Yeah. And again, if I haven't said it on my podcast or in my articles, I probably don't have anything to say about it. Yeah. It's never ceases to amaze me. Like when I started this podcast, it's only been about a year and a bit for me. It was a year in like September or so. And like you're like, what am I going to talk about? But then when you get going, I'm like, man, there are so many things I could talk about. Like you know, I don't know how it'll be five years from now. Maybe I'll be talked out, but right now I'm still going and still not talked out. So it just <laughs> yeah. gets deeper and more. Yeah. There's so many elements to it's because it's all relationships and raising children is relationships. Our partners are relationships and it's life. So and when we, we've got one stage figured out, then we're into school age, then we're into teens and, you know, all the things that come like new learning sort of um, milestones along the yeah. way. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for taking the time to join us today. I encourage you all to go find Janet, follow her little daily inspirations and dig around in all her resources. So much there, so much content and value that she's offered. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. 
If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description. Or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.